Welcome to It's Broadway, bitch. I'm Alana. I'm the Broadway. I'm Christina. I'm the bitch. This is a podcast where I, Alana, the theater expert, explain the plot of a musical to Christina, the willfully ignorant. Christina will weigh in on her initial thoughts. Then we'll go watch the musical with varying degrees of sobriety. We then reconvene and Christina gives us the hot take. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) <laughs> well, that's our time. <laughs> You're giving me the light. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Howdy, y'all. Welcome to another episode of It's Broadway Bitch. As our title card just said, this is now redundant information. <laughs> <laughs> so, Alana texted me today. And she was like, hey, bitch, can we please do the prom? And I was like, sure. And I have not even given it a single thought since then. I, but before that, Matt was like, hey, there's something called the prom out. And like four people have been like, can we watch the prom? And I was like, yeah, it's probably on the list with Alana. Alana was like, yeah, it's on the list. And then she was like, I can no longer (laughs) contain myself. We must watch this. And she watched it without me, which is fair. Um, and then I, I like, held out as long as I could. Part of why we would have just recorded this on our normal, like, Saturday. We're recording this on a Tuesday night because I texted <laughs> Christina and I was like, I need to watch it soon. So we need to move this up and I want to keep it organic and watch it with you. And then I still <laughs> couldn't do it. I watched it like an hour ago. <laughs> Which was like, fine. Like, I just don't care at all. But it was just so hilarious to me that, like, we got on the pond. I didn't know she had watched it. And she was just like, I watched it 10 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> okay that's fine we will have our good friend jamal howard on the second part so if you don't want to listen to us talk about the prom and you do want to listen to him talk about the prom that's a fair thing and you're gonna have to just skip ahead (laughs) but um yeah give this to me because i literally have consumed nothing about this media yes so the prom it's exciting because it was on broadway like a year ago it actually just recently closed it was on the short list of shows that I was going to bring you to on our okay. infamous trip to New York where I chose Hades Town. This was a really close second. We almost watched this instead. Written by Matthew Sklar and Chad Begulian. Begulian. Begul- Those are names, man. I, I, think, I can't think of what else they've written, but I think it, they seem to land in like the musical comedy genre, which is exactly what this is. This is extremely musical comedy. Oh, that's exciting. I didn't really know that much about it other than it was like a fun dance show. It was choreographed by Casey Nicola, who is a guy who I almost know. He went to the same youth theater that I went to like a million years ago. So we have, I'm like a degree of separation away from him. But he directs and choreographs a lot of like, Book of Mormon, Mean Girls, Aladdin when it was on Broadway, Tuck Everlasting. Like he has a big track record and this falls right into his wheelhouse. So it's something that I knew that I was going to enjoy and I was correct. <laughs> I only uh, got one of those because I've only seen one of those, but sure. That's okay. Um, oh no, I haven't seen any of those. I haven't seen Mean Girls. <laughs> I thought I had, but it was Legally Blonde. Oh yeah, no, he did not do Legally Blonde. That is sort of in his camp though. That's the kind yeah. of show he would do. Gotcha. Anyway. Would you like to hear the plot? I'm reading off of Wikipedia. I would love to hear the plot. So, the prom. Act one. The musical opens 
on Broadway <laughs> where Eleanor, the Eleanor Roosevelt story, is celebrating its opening night with its lead cast members, Dee Dee Allen and Barry Glickman, the song Changing Lives. The musical is bashed by the New York Times because Dee Dee and Barry do not understand their characters since they are too self-involved, resulting in the show closing on opening night. Oh my god. Do you, I don't think shows actually close on opening night if they open on Broadway. Do they actually? If they're really, really bad. I don't have an example off the top of my head, but I know that it's happened and I can Google an example for you. Oof. Yeah. To improve their image, the actors decide to take up a cause, quote unquote, to appear selfless. Oh God, every white privileged person I've ever met. Yes, <laughs> it's exactly <laughs> that. You got it. By Jove, she's got it. So Barry and Dee Dee, they team up with two other actors, Trent Oliver, a Juilliard school graduate down on his luck, but who has just been cast in the non-equity tour of Godspell. <laughs> what does non-equity mean? So there um, are equity shows, which is mm-hmm. the actors and stage managers union. Okay. Um, and if oh, you're okay. part of so the it's union. non-union. Yeah, it's Got non-union. It. Got it. Uh, so just been cast in the non-equity tour of Godspell. And Which I have not seen and have no reference for. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and Angie Dickinson, a lifelong chorus girl who just quit her job of 20 years in the musical Chicago after the producers never let her go on for the role of Roxy Hart. What other roles are th- I guess anyone else <laughs> in jail? <laughs> There's a lot of other roles, but... Yeah. After searching on Twitter for a cause, they find Emma... A teenager from Indiana whose prom was canceled by the PTA because she wanted to bring her girlfriend. Aww. Seeing the opportunity and some personal connection, the actors decide to go to Indiana to help the song Changing Lives reprise. Okay. Back in Indiana, Emma faces severe bullying, but she reminds herself to breathe and that not everyone is this cruel. The song Just Breathe. Mr. Hawkins, the school principal and Emma's ally, informs her that he has spoken to the state attorney and that he believes they have a chance to reinstate the prom. Wait, wait, wait. The principal's on her side? Yes. So did, like, the school board cancel the prom? Yes. Okay. The school board, the PTA. Sorry, I didn't realize that the PTA had that much authority over, like, functions like that. I don't know if... I'm sure it differs school to school, but, you know... The thing, I mean, about this that is baffling to me, not baffling, but like the bold choice to make is that this girl, Emma, wanted to bring her girlfriend to the prom. So they just canceled the entire prom. So well, there's no prom. I know that that's the case because it's important to the plot later. No, no, no. <laughs> I know. But I'm thinking about like my prom and there were like age restrictions set on like who could come and who could go. But the thing is, is like they just check your student ID when you're buying tickets. They don't really care at the door as long as you have a ticket, you know? Yeah, at least in the movie, I think the reason they cite is that it's a whole other, like, discrimination thing if they just ban the girl from coming to prom. So they had to just cancel the whole prom was the solution, which is a stretch. But yeah, this is Mike Pence town, so. Yeah, I know. (laughs) But it's also Pete Buttigieg town. True. So the school holds a meeting with PTA to discuss reinstating the prom. As Emma and Mr. Hawkins begin to make progress... Dee Dee, Barry, Angie, and Trent barge in with protest signs to support Emma. Dee Dee reminds everyone what a good person she is for doing this, while claiming that this isn't about her, humiliating Emma. The song, It's Not About Me, 
Yep. <laughs> After the meeting, it is revealed that the girl Emma wants to take to prom is Alyssa, a popular but closeted student, and the daughter of Mrs. Green, the head of the PTA. Dun, dun, dun. Wait, did Alyssa consent to going to prom with what's-her-face? Like, are they an item? Because, yes. like... She wants to bring her girlfriend to the prom. Yeah, that's what I assumed at first. And then you're, like, closeted. Okay, but if she was closeted, then maybe no one would know, you know? The central conflict is that she does want everyone to know. Like, Emma wants to be able to have, like, a normal prom experience and take her significant other to prom. Yeah, I get it. Maybe not with your significant other or someone else's significant other. Yeah. Prom night is a very important part of prom night. But the significant other just happens to be the daughter of the head of the PTA that is the one that canceled the prom because no gays. Yes. But the mom doesn't know that the daughter is gay. Correct. Yeah. So the two argue. Anyway. (laughs) So the two argue, the two being Emma and Alyssa, as Alyssa blames Emma for all the publicity around the prom. But Emma reassures her that she didn't want this either, and she just wants to be with her. Sing the song Dance With You. The actors attempt to hold a rally to inspire action for Emma, but can only book the halftime show at a monster truck rally. (laughs) They perform alongside the non-equity tour cast of Godspell, (laughs) the song Acceptance Song. The performance is unsuccessful. (laughs) We... Why is Godswell performing at a monster truck rally? What's not in the description here is that the, they, they want to hold a protest. They hold right. a protest by writing a song. Uh-huh. And they need backup for the song. And luckily, they were just happened to be traveling with the non-equity cast of Godspell. Got it. Got <laughs> so it. They're like, we got a song and now we need a venue to sing the song at to get all the attention. And so sh- there's not Godspell performances happening at the same time that they're interrupting with a song of their own. Correct. That's not occurring. <laughs> but could you imagine? <laughs> oh my God. It's just so, I'm so happy that the show that they chose was Godspell. It's like the most absolutely random show they could think of. And I kind of like Godspell, which makes it even funnier. I mean, <laughs> it's just, this was a show that, it's just it was made for me. Like the prom was made for me. <laughs> for I'm me pretty sure. Reasons. I'm pretty sure most of the theater that we cover was a direct love letter to you. So this, I, I'll tell you, the movie I I watched this movie and I was like, wow, they made this with me in mind. <laughs> I was the target <laughs> audience for this for sure. <laughs> so the performance of the acceptance song is unsuccessful because they perform it at a monster truck rally in Indiana. It is later learned that the state attorney ruled that the school must hold a prom. But why does the state attorney, like, who brought that suit to them that the state attorney, like, ruled on it? I think the principal. So they were just like, hey, buddy, could you lay down the law for us? Yeah. Uh, but they okay, have That to- seems like a big ask for a small town. I'm sure the mayor could have probably been, like, a closer... Like the small towns have a mayor. I don't know. There's Why no mayor present in this state attorney. That's a huge jump. I mean, I think that they're they skip over some of the exposition because it's supposed to be a musical comedy. So I think they skip over the legal <laughs> jargon of it. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so they have to have a problem, as okay. the name suggests. Emma thanks the actors. Mr. Hawkins and Dee Dee go to Applebee's to celebrate. With the prom back on, students begin to prom pose to each other. 
Okay, well, now we have to interrupt. Did you ever get prom posed too? I did. Can you tell me about it? So my prom experience was a little complicated because I had a long-term boyfriend that I broke up with right before. Oof, yeah. It just, it needed to happen. Mm -hmm. And he later approached me and was like, I feel bad that we're not together because we made these plans to go to prom and I'd like to still take you to prom. (laughs) And I was like, you can, but you have to know that like, if you're going to ask me to prom, I have two conditions it needs to be the most extra thing you've ever done in your life. <laughs> it needs to be so much in order for me to say yes to you. And food does need to be involved. I, I don't think I've ever heard this story from you before because I would know. And this is insane. That's an insane thing for you. Yeah, mine, I think, I think it's still on Facebook. I was definitely tagged in it at some point. But he did. He got like 30 of his friends. He got like a crowd of people. Oh um he had orchestrated it with uh, my friend he with kimberly um yeah really got me home he had like a bunch of friends in like five cars <laughs> each car had like a big sign taped to the end with a letter so they had like P-R-O-M. <laughs> yeah 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 and then he came out of the fifth one that had a question mark on it holding two plates and one had like it was like made out of cheese and crackers and it said no <laughs> And the other one was a whole ass like red velvet cake, <laughs> like three pieces that said yes. And he was like, take the one. That's your answer. I love that he gave you the option of still saying no. Also with food. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I was like, eh, I'll take the one with the cake. Yeah. I'm I'll take good. both, please. Thanks. Um, so I took the one with the cake and then about 30 of our peers, because I live on like a cul-de-sac. Yeah. Came running from around the corner. All holding, like, fistfuls of confetti. I thought you were going to say cake for And a then second. they threw the confetti all over me in my driveway. <laughs> That's so funny. That's incredible. Right? <laughs> That's the funniest fucking thing I've ever heard. Yeah, I, I mean, really wish it was cake, because could you imagine if you just got plastered in the face of cake? would have been fucking furious. <laughs> furious. Because we were, I was already, like, we were already not on great terms. I, I, I already I'm barely tolerating you. Well, I, I already thought that he wasn't going to do that. Like, I thought that <laughs> I had set the standards high enough for him to not do it. And That's then he hilarious. did it. And then I was like, great, I guess we'll go to prom. That's so funny. That was my anyway, promposal. That was your promposal. <laughs> do you have one? Yeah, I went to two proms. The first prom that I went to... Oh, I did get promposed to. And unlike you, I am not one for like a big spectacle. Like I don't like being the center of attention from of more than like two people. And the person I was dating at the time was the definition of like being the center of attention. He was the most popular guy in school, not because he was like the hottest or best, but because he was just like really, really nice and knew everyone and was like part of ASB and like in like a bunch of different like acting clubs and like just really a great person and um we had a science class I think I've told you the story where we had to write like our daily objectives every day and I like walked in I sat down I started writing the objectives I wasn't reading it I was just writing it down and the entire class went silent 
And I was like, what the fuck? Why is everyone silent? And then I looked up and one of his friends had like a phone recorder and I looked at what I was writing and it was like, will Alex go to the prom with Christina? And I was just like, (laughs) (laughs) and I immediately, like, I didn't even go to like happy. I just started crying. (laughs) And what's hilarious about that is that like my teacher had this on a PowerPoint. Like she had to change the PowerPoint for him to ask me to prom. (laughs) And I didn't even notice (laughs) Oh my god. <laughs> That's so like, on brand. That's the most on brand thing I've ever heard in my life. And I was like, so then I went from crying to laughing because I thought it was funny and I wanted to get on with it. I was like, please, everyone, can we not pay attention to this? Um, and I said yes and we went to prom. I looked so hot in that dress. That was my hottest dress. And it was the worst makeup and hair that I could have had. Oh, what a waste of a dress. <laughs> I still have it somewhere. Uh, so the problem. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> are we even through Act One? No, oh we my al- God. we oh, almost okay. are. So the students' prom pose. That's where we left off. Mm-hmm. Uh, Emma officially asks Alyssa to this new prom, and she agrees, promising to come out to be with her. Sings the song. You happened. Aw. Yeah. At Applebee's. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> That's so funny. It's like really funny. <laughs> At Applebee's. Uh, did you go to an Applebee's with your grandparents? No. Oh, my, my grandparents were big fans of Applebee's. Uh, At Applebee's. <laughs> Mr. Hawkins, a huge fan of Dee Dee's, tells her how much she inspires him. The song, We Look to You. Barry helps Emma get ready for prom and reveals he didn't have the opportunity to go to prom either. Meanwhile, across town, other teens prepare for the prom as well. The song Tonight Belongs to You. As Emma waits outside the gym, she asks Barry to walk her in because she's nervous. As they enter, they realize that the gym is empty. Mr. Hawkins, who is inside, desperately trying to resolve the issue, reveals that the PTA put on another prom across town, and this one is just for Emma, as required by the state attorney. That's horrible horrifying when i was watching this movie a couple of hours ago i got to this part and i was like oh cool it's already prom and we are halfway through the movie (laughs) what other hijinks could they possibly get into (laughs) like they're at the prom this is i just didn't see that coming i didn't see that one thing coming no that's insane because you still the thing is logistically you still have to shell out money to rent out the space yeah right like the cruelty that comes with that is like right? just inhumane. Indiana, Indiana, pull your <laughs> pull your ass out of hell and get <laughs> get on the moral path to righteousness. It sounds like I'm preaching to them. God. So yeah, that's a bummer. This one's just for Emma. That's required by the state attorney. Dee Dee panics that this fake prom will be bad press for her, which angers Mr. Hawkins as he learns about Dee Dee's true intentions. Emma calls Alyssa, who tells her she knew nothing about the other prom. Emma asks her to come and be with her, but she refuses to come out. Devastated, Emma runs out of the gym, asking all the actors to just go home. Why can't Emma go to the other prom? Just because she didn't buy a ticket? I guess. Technically, that other prom would still be available to her. She's not banned from it. That's true, but she was pretty humiliated. 
Yeah, that like I also would go home after that and yeah. just like eat a bowl of not a bowl. I would eat a pint of ice cream. Yeah, but you're right. She probably could go, but yeah, you know, feelings. You know, women yeah. and their emotions. <laughs> Following this Act Two, that's the end of Act One. Following the fake prom, the media frenzy around the whole event increases. The actors encourage Emma to step up and become the face of the story, but she's too scared. Angie encourages her by teaching her about. Zaz, sharing with her a story about Bob Fosse and the original production of Chicago. The song Zaz. Z-A-Z-Z. It's a made-up word. Okay. Wait, who is this person now? Angie is one of the four actors. She's the one that was in Chicago for 20 years. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I forgot that she existed because we haven't mentioned her by name in a while. Uh, So they sing the song Zaz. Dee Dee returns to talk to Mr. Hawkins, who berates her for being so self-centered. She performs his favorite song to make it up to him and vows to begin thinking of others, the song The Ladies Improving. I, for a second, thought it was Emma and not the actress for, like, some reason I've blanked out names. But I still don't like a personal performance of music for one person. Like, that's gross. Yeah, it is, like, musical, like... I know conventions. that this is a musical. I know that things aren't logical. Yeah, it's the conceit of the number isn't that like, I'm here to perform a song for you. Like, it's a little more like, I'm just busting into song. Like, it's not like, here's a private performance for you, sir. It's not like that. <laughs> <Ew>. <laughs> yeah, right? It's not like that. <laughs> Meanwhile, Trent decides that he may be able to change the minds of the youth of the town due to his small town upbringing. He confronts a number of students about how they and their families break the word of the Bible every day and how hypocritical they are being. He encourages them to follow Love Thy Neighbor above all, the song Love Thy Neighbor. Well, like, that's the whole foundation of modern Christianity, right? Yeah. It's like, that's the one thing. Yep. That is what the song is about. Well. You got it. By Joe, she's got it. <laughs> This musical's not really a thinker. (laughs) Because, well, like, you just keep bringing up points, and I'm like, no, this is important. Like, Matt and I have had very interesting theological debates about, like, what modern Christianity means and what it is in, like, today's society. And he's like, no, the entirety of modern Christianity is truly based on love thy neighbor. And so it's just about tolerance and acceptance and anyone who believes. And it's just like, why is Indiana so backwards, you know? that's exactly what the song's about. The song is exactly that. (laughs) Good for that song. Yeah. Forging ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Alyssa meets with Emma to apologize, telling her about all the pressure her mother puts on her to be perfect and how she blames Alyssa for her father leaving. There it is. Wow. Oh, my God. (laughs) There it is. (laughs) That's so much. Alyssa being the daughter of the head of the PTA. Yeah, I know. I know. I remember that part. Like, oh man, that's so much. Emma is unable to accept her apology and they break up the song Alyssa Green. Yeah, I mean, that's fair because it's like not a good enough reason to treat someone else like trash, but also they're like, I'm gonna guess 15 and emotions are hard when you're not fully developed anywhere. Correct. Including your brain. And there is a pretty, it's not mentioned in the Wikipedia article, but there's a pretty big absence of parents. It's just the single mom uh the dad's gone and emma's parents kicked her out when she came out 
Oh, that's, that's important to know. I did not know that. Yeah. So Emma, I think is living with like grandma or somebody, but Emma does not have a a relationship with her parents. Yeah. And then, so it is like, uh, well, I fucking am dealing with it. Why can't you? So the actors, (laughs) (laughs) the actors book Emma a TV appearance but she turns it down and tells them that she has her own plan to control the narrative and change minds. Convinced her plan will work and that they will be able to have a prom for everyone, Emma asks Barry to be her date so that he is finally able to fulfill his dream of going to prom. Aww. Barry, overjoyed, agrees as he recounts his experience missing his own prom, the song Barry is going to prom. Oh, It's very cute. <laughs> Emma uploads a video of her singing with her guitar about her struggles and longing for acceptance, but how despite that, she is proud of who she is and won't hide anymore. She inspires other members of the LGBTQ plus community in the area and across the country to comment on their support for her and how it has helped them. The song Unruly Heart. I have nothing. I mean, that's sweet, but also like grabs for attention kind of disgust me. So like, Eh, well, because this came out in 2019, the video goes viral inspiring the actors to plan an inclusive prom for Emma and all the LGBTQ kids across the state. The actors want Emma to finally have a prom, but the school doesn't have the money for it because they just had two fucking proms. Yeah, (laughs) that makes sense. The actors all donate, including Dee Dee, who turns over her American Express black card. The PTA is furious over the possibility of a new prom, but the students voice their support for an inclusive prom thanks to Trent's efforts to change their minds so that the Love Thy Neighbor song fully worked. Yeah, they get busy loving thy neighbors. Fully solved everything. (laughs) (laughs) The students suggest Trent stay in Indiana and become their drama teacher. Aw, that's not as much money. No. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's not that much less if you factor in, like, the cost of living in New York versus wherever the fuck, but... Yeah, but Trent is, like... It has a failing career at this point. That's why he's yeah. at the non-equity tour of God's. You know what they say? If you can't do, teach. Teachers are going to fucking come for us. No teachers are listening to this. <laughs> 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 Alyssa comes out to her mother in front of the whole school, confessing her love for Emma. Mrs. Green is reluctant to accept Alyssa as she is, but Barry steps in, saying if she doesn't accept Alyssa, she's going to lose her. She is devastated, but begins to become more open and agrees to listen to her daughter. The PTA backs down and quickly makes plans for a new prom, while Dee Dee and Barry question what success is. The school puts on this more inclusive prom, and LGBTQ plus couples from the area attend, along with the straight couples of James Madison High School. Emma and Alyssa finally get their dance and share a kiss. The song, It's Time to Dance. It's fine. talk about the cast list here let's talk okay sure um at least in terms of people that you're gonna know okay so the original broadway production trent was played by christopher sieber who played farquaad and trek that's hilarious normally a very tall man (laughs) in terms of the movie dd allen Uh uh-huh meryl streep i that's i have seen that i did see like a small part of that and then angie the chicago girl Uh uh-huh nicole kidman oh wow yeah barry is james corden okay there's a little bit of controversy going around right now with his performance in it why what's the controversy it's just um that he's a straight man doing a bad job of playing a gay man okay yeah 
And then Trent is played by Andrew Rannells, who I don't think you've seen Andrew Rannells yet, but he's in a lot of movies and productions that I have you slated to watch coming up. Okay. Um, he's most known for being the main guy in Book of Mormon. Was he in Girls? Yes, that's him. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. Cool, cool, cool. Um, but yeah, in the, the shows I have coming up after this, he's in a lot of them, so. Oh, he's Remember his cute... face, yes. Oh, I can't not. He's a very cute He's so cute. Person. He's yeah. very, very talented. He, I don't want to say he saves the movie because this movie has a lot of good stuff going for it, um, but he carries a lot of the movie. And then Mrs. Green, the head of the PTA, mm-hmm. Carrie Washington. Really? Really. That's like a very, that wasn't who I was expecting for some reason. Yeah. Very good singer. Talented lady. Interesting. And then Alyssa is played by Ariana DeBose, who you have only seen her in Hamilton. She was the bullet. Did we talk about the bullet? Yeah, we did talk about that. That was her. Okay. She's about to be everywhere because there's a new West Side Story movie coming out and she's Anita in that. She's about to have like, um, she's been filming a lot of stuff. She's about I to- love how you say words like I know what they mean. It's one of, like you're gonna know who she is. I know, I know. Uh, yeah, that's the prom. Wow, man. What a wild time of like teenage hormones and sadness and angst. It, it's, it's fun. It's a really fun show. It's a show that is very tailored to me. I think I know how you're going to feel about it. Um, And I think that we're going to have a lot more in common than you think. I'm, I'm sure just right now it's like, I have such a hard time because like I keep pulling this down to like a logical serious place. And I know that that's not what this is. This is definitely not what that is. There is at its core, like a message of inclusivity. That's nice and universal. Um, But it is other than that, like it's a fun musical comedy. Gotcha. It's uh, directed by the guy who did Glee. It's a Ryan Murphy production. I have nothing else for it. I have no other true reactions. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, that's the problem. The prom's having a moment right now, and we are capitalizing upon that so we can get in the cultural zeitgeist. (laughs) I'm just excited because, like, Hadestown is sort of what prompted us to do this podcast. It's the linchpin of this podcast. Yeah, and it could have been this. And if we had watched this instead, I wonder how it would have turned out, you know? Hades Town, I think, will have been in memory a much better decision yes. than prom. I agree. So, yeah. Nifty. Yeah. Um, well, thank you for joining me for that. Um, yeah. We may or may not be joined by our friend Jamal, who I think at the point that this comes out, uh, you listeners will not have met him yet. Yes. Um, <laughs> we'll talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Rest assured, he is the embodiment of just like an angel. All right. Well, uh, Christina, I'll see you in like a week ish yeah uh listeners we'll see you in like 120 seconds yep (laughs) hey listeners alana and i make no money from this currently and we would like to because we have fun doing it and in order to keep up our subscriptions and watch things legally we gotta pay for them so here's an ad of someone who does not sponsor us but of someone we would like to sponsor us because we either already use their products or want to try them Listen, I'm busy and I am a bad human. Uh, not like in a morality sense, just like in the survival sense. And HelloFresh has actually been really helpful with that. 
currently we are in a pandemic and going outside is scary, but also when you're trying to take care of yourself, sometimes you don't have the energy to think about how to cook something at the end of the day and HelloFresh really helps with that. So listen, HelloFresh, please sponsor us because I already use your services and it's fucking great. I love it. Everything I've ever had was delicious and um, you're welcome. Listen, we don't have any sponsors right now. I'm sure that Anchor is sponsoring us. But either way, here's who I want to sponsor us. Article. Listen. I need a new couch. And um, I have two cats. The reason I need a new couch is because they particularly love destroying couches. And I've heard the article couches are incredible and I want one. And I would like an article one because everyone else seems to have one and they're pretty cool. And I need a leather one because you know what isn't destroyed easily by cat claws? Leather. They are relatively inexpensive, like they're affordable, but I just want Article to give it to me and I want them to sponsor us. Thank you, goodbye. Welcome back. <laughs> After Alana so ungraciously bombed me with the prom, we also welcomed <laughs> another very excited advocate for the prom onto this podcast. So Jamal, why don't you introduce yourself? Hello. Hi, my name is Jamal Howard and I, um, yeah, I'm a theater person. I'm another person, Team Broadway. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I live in Chicago right now, but I'm from California and I have a theater company, New American Folk Theater. I'm the co-artistic director there, so check us out on Instagram or on our website, newamericanfolktheater.org. Theater with an <laughs> R-E, because that is the right way to Because we have class here. <laughs> we have class, and we're bougie, and it's okay. <laughs> We are working on another project with Jamal, um, which is gonna be incredible but we pushed it way back because (laughs) i wanted to join the cultural zeitgeist (laughs) because as of now the day that we're recording this uh december 20th the prom came out like a week and a half ago Mm -hmm. um and it is all over the place so we're talking about it (laughs) yeah here we are i have now completed it jamal start us off tell us how you feel about it (laughs) oh boy um let's see i have so many complicated feelings about the prom. (laughs) That's about where I stand as well. (laughs) Um, I feel like there's kind of two, almost two conversations to have and they're related because it's all from the prom, but there's the the conversation about James Corden and then there's the conversation about the rest of the movie. (laughs) Yes. And I have mixed things on both sides of that conversation, so... Um, it's, it's a mixed review from me in general. <laughs> get the details in a moment. When you say, like, specifically James Corden, and we'll get into it, are you talking about the, the, the I, I guess controversy is the word for it? About... Yeah, I'm talking about the casting of James Corden. Okay, that is what um, I thought. I'm talking about the casting. I'm also talking about his performance. Honest, I'm not a big James Corden fan in general from other things. He's, he's just not... I don't find him that interesting. I don't hate him by any means. I just don't find him to be much of a, I don't know, much of a meal. So personally, I'm not also like a big proponent of James Corden. Well, that's the thing. No one is. I don't Um, know why he continues to get cast in things. I don't know. Everything I hear, every time anyone talks about James Corden is like, yeah, he's okay. 
And yet, I, why is he so existent in our world and in my brain? Why I mean, is he living rent with, like every other a talk show host, right? But um, I don't think that he's a particularly gifted actor. It's unfortunate that I think that this is the best acting that he's done. He has won a Tony. For this. Not for this. No. But he is a Tony Award winning actor. He, well, I think, he, I take that from him. He doesn't deserve it. <laughs> Give it to someone else. I also think it's, a, it's, it's very interesting that he's like, he's won a Tony. He has a lot of Broadway bona fides, you know, in terms of comparing the cast to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, Andrew Reynolds obviously has a lot of experience. But outside of him, you know, James Corden is the other Broadway person really in that of the main characters and it doesn't feel that way no it doesn't at all it's disappointing to me in what i've seen him in like i said i think it's the best acting that i've seen him do but at the same time there's just no reason to have cast him there's so many other people who could have done just as good of a job and not and like actually portrayed a gay person without kind of like having to pass. Yeah, that, I mean, I feel <laughs> very similarly. Um, and on there are so many people who could have done this role who are out gay actors. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a big problem it being in 2020 because th- these things change over time. It's all within the context of where we are in society right now. And right now, there are a lot of other options that I think would have brought a lot more honesty and courage to the role. Yeah, that was a big problem for me. It just, he felt a little hollow and deflating. It was very much a caricature of what a gay person is, is the best way that he portrayed it. You think about the idea of like, what does it mean to act gay? And it's just kind of like, well, you don't act gay. It's not a personality. So it's just kind of like, it felt like for him that he was putting on a personality Mm -hmm. when I really just wanted him to be himself. And that probably would have read actually more honestly as a gay character than what we saw in this movie. He wasn't like some crazy, ridiculous, over-the-top stereotype, but he was playing into some things that went that way. The character is a flamboyant gay man, but then I think that's where you cast a flamboyant gay man. You can't see it, but we're nodding. (laughs) (laughs) We we monopolized that moment. No, I was, I I think that now is the time to talk about it, if that's the conversation is going. Um, I think there's a lot of business sense into why James Corden was cast. Like, he's a big name. He has a talk show. He has a big audience that he brings in. Like, there's a lot on paper that is, like, the same reason why Nicole Kidman was cast, the same reason why, yeah. Meryl, you know. But the, all that stuff doesn't matter when you're doing a story that's about queer people and about yeah. being in the closet. And it's, like, it, the themes and the point of this play and that this character is so central to a lot of 
those themes and driving that message home, it just seems very irresponsible to put somebody like James Corden in this part. I do think James Corden should have turned the role down as well, but that's, you know, another conversation to be had. Yeah, I mean, he was coming fresh off a spell in Cats, you know? Yeah, I was gonna say, wasn't he in Cats? I forgot he was in Cats. Wasn't Jason Derulo in Cats? Yeah, but Jason Derulo, I mean, arguably the best part of that movie, but... (laughs) The second best part behind Jennifer Hudson. Jennifer Hudson, obviously. Um, But Jason Trullo, I think, was the biggest, like, pleasant surprise of the movie. (laughs) But Uh, I digress. Yes. (laughs) But he just, uh, yeah, Ryan Murphy, like, should have already taken the note from Darren Chris when Darren Chris said, I'm not going to play gay men anymore. Exactly. Yeah. And Darren Chris is better. I don't know. I like Darren Chris. I have nothing against him. He, I think he acts his parts well that he's played. The big thing that I saw on the internet yeah. surrounding this was um, another conversation about how Broadway actors sort of get shut out of the movie adaptations once we yeah. move it to Hollywood. Because yeah. there was really... Little to no reason why they couldn't have cast Brooks Ashmanskis, who was the original Barry on Broadway and was nominated for a Tony for the role. The and role he is, was written for him, too. Yeah. And the woman who originated Dee Dee, those roles were written for them. And, I, I didn't know that, but I was like, why would you take this? Is Because I like briefly looked it up and it was like on Broadway in 2018, right? Yeah, 2018, 2019. Exactly. So it's like, you're so close to it. These actors are so easily available. They're like right there. It's not like you're reviving a play that's like 67 years old. Yeah, that's like the classic trope of taking a stage musical to the movie version. Um, The Broadway actors, the poor, poor Broadway actors, they really make it through to the movie and it's really unfortunate if you listen to the um broadway cast recording of the prom there's some beautiful vocal energy that's happening yeah such that tells you who the characters are and informs you so much that when you don't get that same quality from the film actors it shows and it's one thing in a musical that's not about broadway but this musical these characters are broadway actors and some of them just do not feel like broadway actors that's the note i had about the other actors and actresses is like i thought i forgot his name but the really hot guy who played trance He's, I love him, but Nicole Kidman and Meryl Streep, they were fine. They were, I thought I enjoyed their performances. It wasn't necessary for it to be them. Anyone else could have done those things and it would have been fine. Her name could have carried this entire production. Like they didn't need everyone else's. Nicole Kidman serves no purpose to me. Like she's just not a main character and she's such a big ticket name, you know? And same with James Corden. Like why spend the money on someone who has name recognition when you already have two other people that have that, you know? I very much, um, like, I, like I said, I enjoyed Meryl Streep. I actually thought she sounded like really good on this show compared to like her other musical stuff, which isn't a knock on the other stuff. I just thought she sounded better than she normally That's does. That's exactly, that was exactly my note as well. And I just appreciate her acting choices and stuff like that. That being said, like she still doesn't have that voice, that that vocal quality that the original cast 
had in terms of how intense her song is so the first song that Dee Dee sings sorry now I'm just jumping into a song but very it's uh, not about um, me is that the one you're talking about yeah it's not about me it's hilarious and I listened to the original Broadway cast recording when it first came out to get to know the show just to see what it was and I laughed out loud listening to that song I'd never it was so funny and it was funny because of the vocal quality of the woman who played her. I'm the worst. I'm going to look up her name. Beth Lebel. Thank you. Yeah, I got you. If you listen listen to it, uh, listeners at home, look it up because it, it'll just make you laugh. I do just kind of want to center us a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, we've had a great conversation. But so yeah. far, we've heard Jamal's general feelings before we mm-hmm. get into like, specifics. We've talked about the casting issue, which is mm-hmm. definitely... A prevalent issue and not to be ignored. Christina, other than like casting choices, what did you think about it? How did you feel about it? So I felt like I was watching two different shows. I came out the other end thinking it was like fine, leaning towards like, I just wouldn't watch it again. The first half, all of the musical numbers with like exclusively adults are incredible. Like they honestly elicited an out loud laugh from me. And I thought that they were hilarious. I thought the plot line was touching, but like, I just don't like children actors. I don't think that it was like put out. I don't. Um, I I don't like to see a child portrayed in the theater, mostly because it's often adults (laughs) writing. It's mostly adults writing them who are so separated from how that feels. It's kind of like earlier we were talking about um, 13, how it's written by an adult man. And there's a lot of perspective of like young 13 year old girls in that and I don't know who this is written by but it just kind of felt disingenuous and I just felt like it was almost trauma porn but not quite like happy enough to be trauma porn but also not sad enough to actually like convey the true tragedy that this teenager is going through and really in the second half I kind of lost interest because it just didn't stay consistently good you know so it was fine, I guess. Meryl okay. Streep was good. That check that about hits what I thought you would think about it. <laughs> like there were some songs that I was like, "This is hilarious! I love this so much!" And then like immediately following, there would be like Emma singing a song in a pool, smiling about being sad. So that was just bad. That was just a weird acting choice. That was a note that I had where that poor actor, Joe Ellen Pellman, I think is her name, just smiled the whole time. Which she is- smiled the whole fucking time which is the very first note i ever got in my introduction to acting class in my like my freshman year of college which is when they just try to train you out of the bad habits where people have like actor hands and they're always like flailing or they're always smiling regardless of the emotion because that's just how people act hard you know so that was distracting i'll give you that (laughs) yeah it was also just like like i said it felt disingenuous to the real lived experience of like teenagers who have been kicked out of their homes because of their family not being able to tolerate their sexual identity. Luckily, this teenager had a supportive parental figure to like land on and it doesn't negate the tragedy that like being abandoned by your parents leaves. It's a huge hole, but it's used as a plot device rather than like an actually like a 
thing that happened and like deserves its own time. It's used to further like the emotional intelligence and the emotional like attachment of the stars to this person. I just don't feel like the struggle of being an out gay teenager in a pretty conservative town was represented in a way that like mattered in this piece. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because we've had these tales for so long. This is, we had kinky boots for God's sake. The biggest problem (laughs) with Emma is that she's so dull. She's not (laughs) interesting. (laughs) Like a person in this big story, like she doesn't really have any interests that we learn about. And then she kind of like pulls out this guitar and you're kind of like, why didn't you show her playing the guitar way more? Like, why wasn't that a big part? Songwriting and all of that. Like, I would have loved to explore her as an artist way more. You know, there were just like things where you wanted them to focus focus on the more intimate characteristics and nuances of this couple and the lesbian couple at the center of the whole thing. So that for me was just like my biggest problem is that she she felt more like a device rather than yeah yeah she was very much a device things happened to her. It's really a show about Barry and Dee Dee at the end of the day. Which is fine. I just thought that this was it. I don't want to use the story of a gay teen from a conservative town to prop up the story of like sad adults, you know? Yeah. I mean, I don't think that was the intention. I think it was just kind of a miss. Yeah. So I think that's the, that's the big thing that I keep stumbling across in like different musicals is like, if I think logically about them for even like 10 seconds, they just fall apart for me often. Then if I can forgive it, it's because the music is like so good or the story that they're trying to convey, I really identify with, but like, To me, the story isn't really good. And there's a lot of different issues that like are brought up and just skated right by, you know? It's funny, Edgewater, I looked it up and it's in Indiana. I'm in Chicago. It's actually only like a few hours away and I've definitely driven close to it or through it or by it and been to some towns near it. So (laughs) this portrayal of a small town Indiana just doesn't feel like a small town Indiana. And that's one of the things in general, tonally with the movie, that sort of feels off to me that is more than just like some missed casting it feels a little too polished to to all of the things it's just uh, the details weren't not of a small town indiana i just assumed water was a fake town i didn't realize that it was like a real place i just thought Um, it was one that they made up yeah i kind of also assumed that but just to see and it was a real town um and i just thought of everyone in the town carrie washington she played the role so well But I wish she hadn't played that role. And I know that that is probably wrong of me. I just, I don't think it was necessary to demonize one of the only Black people in the work. I get what you're saying. I think because there's... Like the her main adversary in that sense in the town is also a black man, so it's like in the principal. So there's some balance there, whatever dynamics, all of that stuff. I actually that didn't really bother me at all, especially because her daughter is then. Yeah, yeah, I know that that dynamic is placed in there, so that she's the one of the gay heroes of the story. (laughs) So that's positive but i i get that i always ask why wasn't there more diversity in general like yeah i don't know about the diversity of indiana what this like stats are but like yeah there's just no reason that it did it needed to be as whitewashed as it was there was no reason that like the big name people needed to be all white you know 
I don't know. It was hard because some of the songs just slapped so hard, but ultimately I'm disappointed in it. So I'd like to weigh in here a little bit (laughs) with my general. uh, I think that this was not a story intended to change the world. I think it, I think that everything we're saying about the plot is true. I think that it was sort of a misguided way to like throw in like a social justice aspect without quite landing. But I do think that the show as a genre lands in like musical fable territory, which for me is like a real strong problematic fave. I compare it to Guys and Dolls, which is a musical that I love aesthetically. Plot is not great. There are some holes, but the style of it is something that appeals to me. The spectacle of it is what gets it for me. It's like a, a like the original show, like a Casey Nicola production, choreographed in a very specific way. Um, I found it to be fun. It has its problems. But it's, it's a strong problematic fave for me. It's right in that camp. There's a lot of things about it that I felt like appealed to me specifically. I, there were a lot of sequins. <laughs> yeah. I also think that... It's a show that was kind of designed to be like for theater people to really access because it requires so much knowledge of like, you need to already be sort of familiar with Chicago, the musical to get a lot of the things they say. You need to already be familiar with like Broadway culture for yeah. Dee and Barry to be so funny and ridiculous. You know who Patti Lapone is. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of like very niche things that you already need to get. And because uh-huh. I understood those things, I was like, a show for me, I get all the jokes. <laughs> but if you don't already have that knowledge, that takes you out of it. Well, I also think that that speaks to, again, how it's written for Broadway. I don't think it was written with the intent of being a filmed movie, you know? But also, I mean, I thought that there were plenty of numbers in it that slapped. We've already talked about every sort of, like, big dance number. The choreography- The dance numbers were tight. Like, the promposal song, I think, was really tight. Anything Meryl Streep sang was really strong. The ending scene, like, the choreography there was real strong. The Love Thy Neighbor- I think that there are plenty of moments of it where you can let the spectacle of it wash over you and put you into a zombie state. Yeah. Uh, I didn't care for most of the music, to be honest. It was very in one ear, out the other for me. Like, I've listened to the original cast recording when that came out. So I have some tunes in my ears that I recognize. The prom songs, both of them, the one um, that is Tonight Belongs to Us, yeah, uh, which is at the intermission act break in the original, in the stage version of it. And then the last song... Um, dance uh i don't know dress rehearsal that one (laughs) yes so the both of the prom songs oh no they didn't land at all oh i liked both oh i did not i did not like them at all there we go it's time to dance and those two are the songs those are the earworms to me they also do them about three or four times which might be because i like those sound those songs that might be why i can be like i liked the music because that's a lot of the music that i heard and recall and there are a lot of sambas like why are there so many sambas in this musical (laughs) i don't know enough about music to tell you (laughs) it's like specifically Didi's song right like both um, of hers both of hers are very like and i don't know if hers are very much like that and then the um james corden i should know this actor <laughs> the character's name barry uh, barry barry thank you barry's song at the end towards the end of the show is also a samba like oh barry's going to prom is yeah, that the one you're talking about um, that one and it's just like that a lot of the songs sounded in the same like <sighs> 
family where you, you in this sort of musical comedy genre I kind of wanted a little bit more variety um, mostly because personally I just it's not my favorite style of song it's this the total sound of the show is not my favorite cup of tea I want something a little bit with uh, more edge and a little bit more yeah just grit to it that is interesting to me. Um, do we maybe want to go song by song? Because yeah. I think what we're establishing is that as a whole, the pieces don't fit. But yeah. I do think that there are some strong pieces. I, I think there are yeah. some strong individuals. Yeah. And I think going song by song makes sense. Also, the thing that I'm realizing is the parts about this that I love are the super exaggerated over the top parts, which is what I think musical comedy does really well. But anytime it tries to get serious or like genuine in any way, it misses that completely. And I would much rather they go so extreme because all of the parts that I really, really enjoyed were just so over the top ironic, like, Oh, and apples and bees. Why don't you take me there? Like that, that I thought that was funny. I thought it was cute. And we all know it's poking fun. Okay. So changing lives is, the first song i gotta tell you that opening number it got me with them dancing on the streets of new york and the sequins that was enough for me to forget anything else that was occurring (laughs) i was pretty in honestly this (laughs) caught me and i was like okay sequins always get me as well Uh, i just as a sorry mall doesn't care at all (laughs) i don't i don't i didn't care for the opening number i thought some good information got out there through it but again i'm gonna rag on james corden right now but (laughs) opening number you just see him put on he has very delicate hands throughout this entire movie it's a very like specific choice and it it felt like each time you saw it it just felt like just use your hands normally just like (laughs) please just in this song this opening number had a lot of what felt like this put on like i'm being gay thing as opposed to just like just be you and that'll read so much more um tiny other james corden thing that i didn't mention before uh, yeah. his accent not the best accent work um, nah. <laughs> and i think that was actually probably a big part of why he seemed just a little below what he should be like too hollow too a little deflated like he was putting on something because mm-hmm. even if he was playing straight he would be putting on that accent and it showed that was actually one of the biggest notes that Matt had. He was like, this accent, how is it not like burning your ears? I remember like just only the two key images, which was them dancing together in the street. And I remember them in the bar and there were other people dancing. I'm unclear of what the lyrics were. I wouldn't be able to sing the song to you, mm-hmm. but I remember it. It looked fun. I would wear everything anyone wore in this movie. I would wear all of the pieces. There were a lot of good things. Yeah of the costuming details um and then we get to the bar and the bad reviews come in and um their careers are dead and so they decide that they're gonna just pick a cause but there was a weird the lawyer person or their manager whoever yeah the pr person sheldon yeah a lot of work in like one line to give (laughs) all of them the catalyst to actually want to do it because there wasn't a lot leading into that that said you have a problem with the with your perceptions of being of being narcissist like, <laughs> he tells them that that's the problem and that's it there's actually it's not like the quotes in the review that we hear say like this narcissist person it was just a little like i want a little bit more of real meaty reasons as to them being like 
bad narcissists. They aren't mean to anybody around them. They aren't shallow to anybody around them. They do when they get to Indiana, for sure. But on Broadway, in the New York part of the uh, movie, I wanted to see how they were bad at, you know, how that narcissism problem was a bigger problem that really made them go to these lengths to go on this journey. Yeah, I think that was supposed to be illustrated mostly just how like obnoxious and like over the top their like kindness, I'm saying that with big air quotes, to like the press that they were talking to. They were just being a little bit disingenuous is the word of the day. And then we get to Just Breathe, which is the first song that Emma sings. I have a note about this. Yeah, I haven't seen the Broadway show, but just based on the Broadway recording. You can hear the difference. First of all, her smiling through the whole thing was weird and confusing. And let's it was just get that weird. out of the way that that was just a weird choice. But on the soundtrack, because you hear like the mean boys being like, why don't you just like exchange her for a guy? And on the soundtrack, they sound like they are like clown caricatures of people. Yeah. But it, they look like real mean boys. Yeah. So it takes away, like, in what I assume is, like, campy in the musical. Because the delivery of the line on the soundtrack is just, like, I didn't know we had more than one, like, lesbo in town. Whereas in the show, they, like, corner her at the pool, and they're, like, I didn't know we had more than one lesbo in town. Yeah, it's, like, very threatening. Like, it is, like, about to be a lynch mob aura, and she's smiling through it. Which doesn't match the tone of the song. It's the typical I want song in like your regular musical where your main ingenue lead like second song in essentially sings like their big I want ballad or yeah. thing. And and she kind of hit the it came off as very like more of the Disney princess side of that rather than Yeah. Like, you know, you're um, anti-hero or you're like person that has um, some real issues going on. Yeah. And just based on the lyrics, like, and especially, like, I urge everybody to listen to the soundtrack, like Jamal said, just because the way that she delivers the sound, like, it's, like, sarcastic lyrics, where she's like, not to self, don't be gay in Indiana, as opposed to, like, note to self, like, don't be gay in Indiana. Yeah. I think my point is that in the musical, it sounds like she's being more like, look at this bullshit I have to fucking deal with, (laughs) you know? And that, the original actor, I forget her name, but the original actor who plays her has a lot of personality her she feels a little feistier just there's more going on yeah like she's an active participant and this portrayal of her feels like a prop more like going through the motions because the plot needs to go through this motion i wish there was just a little more energy put into making emma a more dynamic specific person yeah and then we get to it's not about me which I believe is the best musical piece in this entire production. This was the point, and I think this is where I texted Christina too, where I was watching it and I was like, all things aside, I think Dee Dee is a role that in my lifetime I have to play. I think I have to be her. (laughs) Everything about this is my wheelhouse. (laughs) Which might be why all of a sudden I feel more like protective of the show, which is like a whole separate issue. (laughs) 
in a similar way, like I want to direct and choreograph this show like so bad. I think it would be so much fun to do on stage, especially in like um, a more intimate, small setting that we see in Chicago where, where I am. We have a lot of small storefronts or black box theaters. There's a lot that I like want to grab onto this show with, but there's just, ugh, there's so many things that sometimes miss for me. Yeah, I think this is the energy that I wanted the whole show to have was right here. Yeah. Was this kind of camp. This is where I feel like it's the only moment where we get what Jamal was talking about earlier with like, I want to see them be narcissists and I want to see what that looks like. This was the only, this was that. We got that here. It was so funny too, because we also get the introduction pretty much in in Just Breathe, but like also in It's Not About Me of um, Mr. Hawkins, Principal Hawkins. And he just goes, it's Dee Dee. (laughs) He has like a little whispered moment and they play him straight, which is fine. But I was just like, see, I really thought that the arc of the principal was that the reason why he was so on board with helping Emma through this was because maybe he was also gay. And I thought- That felt like something that was going to be revealed by the end. But then yeah, I also thought the opposite of that. Yeah, I also thought like Barry was going to come in more operatively in there and like maybe they would have a relationship. And instead, he and Meryl Streep have like a fine relationship, I guess. I actually liked the casting of Keegan-Michael Key because Me too. he's such a charismatic guy. Yeah. And I actually really liked him in the role. And uh, he's notably younger than Meryl Streep. Yes. And I also, I suspect that the original character on Broadway was older. The Broadway to movie, some ages kind of fluctuate <laughs> between. Yeah. So I really enjoyed him. He, to me, feels like a classic straight guy musical theater nerd like i know these guys very well <laughs> um, they're i believe you they're great but he hit this nuance that i actually saw a lot of truth in which is which you two are both responding to which is that <laughs> sometimes straight guys who are into musical theater come off as maybe they could be gay that's such a disappointment to me <laughs> That's a good insight to hear, though. Yeah. Us queer men in musical theater have been dealing with this all our lives. We keep getting <laughs> confused and tricked. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> um, in the Dee Dee's first song, It's Not About Me, she makes this great reference to the miracle worker. <laughs> and I just, my heart, it was so beautiful like unless i'm in the miracle worker i'm not going to play deaf dumb and blind oh my god the camp of that is so much fun it's referential you're right um that a lot of these jokes are for theater people and i'm very much like that's okay because they're funny but and i I am a theater people so it works for me (laughs) meryl also just like the obvious she is doing a version of patty lapone the actor who is the one who yelled at an audience member whose phone went off and i love the joke in this movie is it was in your wig it was in her it was her own phone like great joke i wanted more jokes like that kind of throughout the whole thing i wanted it to be more joke heavy yeah and i'll just kind of say more about that when we hit different parts but yeah so then we go from it's not about me to dance with you, which it's nice. is <laughs> it's nice. It's nice. Yeah, it's nice. That's like a bummer of a song. Again, it feels disingenuous. I don't know. I thought it was nice. <laughs> and then we hit 
the uh, exception. I, I do really like Ariana DeBose's voice, and I and I the one who plays love interest, Alyssa. Yeah, yeah, Alyssa. Yeah, she's I, great. I wish she was just given more to do, like acting wise, personality wise. I thought that too because yeah. I really liked her. Like, yeah, it was a very one sided story. Yeah. Well, luckily she is Anita in the new West Side Story movie that is coming eventually. I totally miss that. That's exciting. I yeah. Like- so Homegirl will have her time. Cool. <laughs> <excited>. Yeah. <laughs> I love that movie so much. Anyway. Um, then yeah. we hit the acceptance song, which is the one that Trent was like, Steve Sondheim knows me and loves my portrayal of Sweeney Todd. <laughs> So he'll write it for us. <laughs> Turns out my information was incorrect, so I did write this one myself. Yeah. And he's very pleased with himself. <laughs> There's another through line that I wish was kind of picked up more, especially with this character, where we don't see Trent, the Andrew Reynolds character, like do that much. He has two specific like moments in Indiana that are impactful but outside of that you don't really see him do that much and he he's a songwriter which is not nothing um, <laughs> writes the song and then you have Emma who also writes a song later in the play and I just wish that there was more about these things that are connecting them that is actually like important in both of these songwriting moments like move the plot they're important but then that aspect of these people's lives is not yeah it's a misconnection that they could have had you know i also think that maybe the strongest joke in this entire show is the godspell thing (laughs) (laughs) the whole conceit of this is just like oh yeah i booked a non-equity godspell tour like of all things and it's just whenever they're on the bus the godspell kids are just singing godspell and then he just like sings godspell while he's vomiting and then at the mall he's like hey the godspell kids (laughs) i think it's just something about that it's just so funny oh james Corden also has a line that's like, nothing's made me hate God more, or something like that. <laughs> yeah, just I don't, Godspell, I think, is just a hilarious show as a concept. I have no frame of reference. Just like for what the it is. context, Godspell is a um, musical ri- written by Stephen Schwartz, who also wrote Wicked and a bunch of other things. Okay. And it also tells the story of Jesus in like his final days, and it follows, I forget, one of the Gospels. And it's very um group of people being like hippies, being, you know, very much just like we're all here together and singing these songs day by day is probably the biggest song that came out of godspell it's the one they sing in this movie (laughs) didn't even pay attention for one singular minute Uh, (laughs) I, i i like a lot of music in godspell it is my preferred jesus musical so the acceptance song is so funny Because we open with the best opening scene of truly the entire movie, which is just a monster truck rally. And I love love the monster truck rally so much. Um, They're just so fun. There's something so fun about giant tires and then the shell of a car that's like the smallest part. Oh, you like unironically like monster truck uh, rallies. Okay. uh, (laughs) Like I don't watch them. Yeah, I think we thought you were talking about like, oh, it was so great in the movie. (laughs) No, 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 no. Like if it's if it's happening near me and it's not like expensive to go, I'll be like, yeah, that's like a good time for like an afternoon. It's just to watch a Christina. That is some dad energy. (laughs) Uh, I have. 
<laughs> I've never been, so I can't say from personal experience. <laughs> I can see all like the fun jumps and stuff <laughs> but they are very long and that is the most annoying thing about them so go when the going's good and then get out but I just thought it was really funny and then they enter in they have all the console kids and it was just oh the lyrics were so funny everything hits so good we have the uh, like the Juilliard reference starts to make its true like like appearance because mm-hmm. um, we've heard it like a couple times we don't know that it's gonna like be a bit part yet yeah. oh and it's so bad so good it was a very enjoyable horrible moment so <laughs> like there could yep. have been more of a song that <laughs> like we didn't necessarily need to hear and I kind of wanted that energy a little bit more throughout like just to take a little bit more scissors and just do a little bit more editing to yeah tighten it up then we have you ha- you happened, which I have no memory of, so I don't think it matters. Cute. It was like what I think the show does best, which was just like ensemble dance number. It's the promposal moment. Oh, that's the dumbest fucking shit in the whole world. Yeah, they danced cute, and the song was was high, like high energy, and that was fine. I hated it. I don't like teenage boys. I don't like dancing. I don't like any kind of a spectacle that revolves around teenage boys and teenage girls. This is not the show for you. (laughs) I'm glad that you signed on to watch a show that centers around. (laughs) (laughs) This started and Matt was like, oh, this is exciting. And I was like, this is fucking my hell. This is so everything that I hate. It just, this one, again, was kind of in one ear out the other for me. There were definitely, like, some fun dance moves. It was definitely high energy, and I appreciated that aspect of it. But ultimately, I just didn't find myself caring about these teenagers asking each other to prom. I wanted a little bit more... I wanted the mean kids, the mean teenagers to just be more interesting. Just to make the quick comparison to another Ryan Murphy project, I wanted them to feel more like the cheerleaders on Glee. I also really wanted that. (laughs) They had, well, they had the beginning of that energy. You know, some all of, like, all of those characters are so over the top, but those cheerleaders on Glee were some of my favorite portrayals of cheerleaders, and I love portrayals of cheerleaders. And for me, um, with uh, with this one, they just felt like, I. it sounds awful. I wanted them to be a little bit, like, smarter about how they were mean. Yeah. Give me something to, like, just have me more intrigued by the nuances of the plot that's going on. Yeah, I do think that, like, this song had the potential to be very good, but the only two promposals we saw were by the two mean girls and then the two yeah. mean boys. Exactly. Yeah. If it had been like a like two new parties, I could have been on board with that. Yeah, it could have been really fun. A little bit more of like who makes up this school. You yeah. know, who it, we we get who the mean cheerleaders are and we know who Emma is. But we don't really get a full sense of anybody outside of those specific spots. And that could have been a moment where they could have shown that. The other thing I thought was interesting was we have the two theoretically most popular girls in school. And we know that Alyssa is also one of the most popular girls in school. So it could have been a good opportunity to like 
throw in some drama and get her prom pose too. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, but, yeah. But, like a straight <laughs> cis guy. And she would have been like, sorry, no. Yeah. And everyone would be like, who is Alyssa going with? Yeah, agreed. But that would have put the plot too much on the main lesbian. And yeah, we all know would've... that we are here to watch James Corden. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I came here. <laughs> it just felt like such a missed opportunity with um, like choreography that was wasted on me because it was good, but it was by people that I already didn't like and so didn't want to pay attention to. Yeah, hear that. So we have, we look to you, which I don't know who that's by. I can't remember that song. It looks like uh, Keegan-Michael Key sang it. The principal song, yeah. I thought he he delivered the song fine. I don't really remember the music of it. I don't either. You know. Sorry, Keegan. (laughs) Yeah, that's all I got. Yeah, and then we have Tonight Belongs to You, which is... uh, what James Corden sings to Emma, right? As they're preparing for prom. It has a couple of parts. Yeah. So it starts with Barry and Emma singing together. Um, He's getting her hyped up for prom. And then it moves into the rest of the teenagers Mm -hmm. and them getting ready for prom and then them going to prom and going to the other prom, not the one that Emma's invited to, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because at this point, the two mean girls actually know that Alyssa is in a relationship with Emma and they have not talked to Alyssa about it but they're still being bigots towards Emma yes which is insane to me because the most persuasive thing to stop a bigot from being a bigot is usually a personal connection to someone they love um which is sad I wish that human empathy didn't require like a personal connection but it's wild to me that they just get on board with Alyssa's mom, they're like, yeah, we're gonna dance her straight. Well, the, no, the other, the wild thing to me is that they don't also bully Alyssa. They're just yeah, like, no, exactly. we just got her away from you to help you. Like, we yeah. were doing you a favor. Like, yeah. ge- like almost genuinely. Yeah. <laughs> they could have ruined her life. Yep. You know, they could have yeah. really gone to town with that, but I guess they're not that good at being mean. So they were just like, no, we just sent her to the other prom. We got you, girl. Like, <laughs> Just to note um, that Mary Kay Place plays Emma's grandmother, who Emma is now living with after she's been kicked out of her home by her parents, um, all before the movie starts. I love Mary Kay Place. She's such a great actor. I just wanted to shout that out. And (laughs) I wish there was like a million more percent of Mary Kay Place in this movie. (laughs) She's great. We get um, also James Corden's like vision of he, he wanted to go to prom in a silver tuxedo wrapped like a baked potato in foil. <laughs> I didn't think it was that bad. I don't think it, was. it wasn't that bad, but the minute he said silver tux, that's all I could imagine. And it was really hilarious to me. And then the dress that they end up putting Emma in is very reminiscent of like Cinderella-esque dress mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. a short cocktail version of cinderella's yeah you know blue ball gown i didn't care for the look that he put her in and obviously and it's part of the plot like she doesn't care for it either yeah. because later when she gets the choice to like yeah she's in a tux she's in a suit like and she yeah. looks much better i didn't care for how he styled her but i i think that was part of the point so yeah she was yeah. trying to go to like conventional prom you know like and then we get to the, the sad, gym. yeah, the sad one. And it's the first second that we really start to humanize the stars. And it's one of the like only moments where Emma does like any kind of big emoting. She doesn't do a great job. She's at still it. smiling a little bit. Yeah, she's still <laughs> smiling. 
But yeah, I was just like, I don't know about you guys. I don't know if I know, Alana, you went to a prom. Did you end up going to prom, Jamal? I went to lots of proms. (laughs) (laughs) But like when you pull up, there's like a line of cars. There's so many people out front. You're still taking pictures, even if like no one's actually like you have a phone. There's so many things happening before. There's a line. You have to show your ticket. You have to get your wristband. Normally you enter and there's a picture that you take as you enter into the prom. And so it was interesting to me that they're like, no one is there and Meryl Streep doesn't get it until like the last second you know and way too late (laughs) and hypothetically in this world where Mr. Hawkins is like close friends and allies with Emma he had to have been there long before anyone else was in order for him to like have shown up like there are certain rules you have to show up like a certain amount of time before and so like I can't understand why he wouldn't call her and warn her you know it seemed like he was like in the middle of figuring it out. Yeah. Yeah. Came in the exact reason why. Who knows what kind of happened before? There's a lot of, you know, things you could come up with in your head, but he was very confused as well. Yeah. He was like on the phone. He was like, I'm still trying to put the pieces together. They did it without me knowing yeah, on purpose which so. is just it's so mean it's it's a level of mean that like i cannot imagine adults actually doing it must be a pretty small school in order to pull that off well it's just idea of a group of adults getting together and being like we're gonna just destroy this teenage girl this child and we're gonna shittily throw some balloons in there give her the prom but we're also going to deck the fuck out elk's lodge which is hilarious it's so intentionally malicious towards someone who has so little agency it's truly (laughs) punching down yeah and you do feel sad you i felt very sad for her in that moment like that sucks that would (laughs) but it like to have like, like your whole school against you like yeah that. like adults reality, had to get together and plan to do to fuck you them, over yeah the reality of them being able to actually do that is no. not like it's not a very realistic thing to happen but it is a very like hurtful thing that shows that like yeah this town is against you and all your peers are against you but so they have this prom for <laughs> Emma. She shows up alone, or there's nobody else there except the other Broadway actor adults. And the yeah, and yeah. then she goes home. It's the same song, the song that we hear a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> tonight belongs to you. It's like the fourth time we hear it. And then she goes home and she eats so much ice cream with Nicole Kidman. They ate like um, multiple pints of ice cream, right? Yeah, like, more they did. than one in different locations. <laughs> Yeah, and, like, the other um, Broadway actor characters come in, and they have a whole conversation, and then they leave, and it's like, well, you started the scene with just Nicole Kidman and the Emma character, and then you end it there, and that's the point, and it's just all the stuff in the middle. I was just like, you could have zoomed on by that, but the song... Is shit. Yeah, I didn't do it for me. <laughs> Matt was like, is that short for pizzazz? And I was like, you probably. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it was a bit, it was so bad. Oh, it was a disgrace to Bob Fosse. <laughs> I think it's supposed to endear us more to the Nicole Kidman character. Um, but like thus far, she's been a bro. No, I think it's just to have her sing anything. Is it this part where she's just like, I just need, like, sometimes when I just need to get my day drinking under control, <laughs> she like drops that little tidbit in. You know, there's a part earlier too, when they first get to the hotel, uh-huh. and she, and I didn't notice it the first time I watched, um, she fully grabs 
a huge basket yep. of mini um bottles. oh yeah and she just puts it in the mini bar bottles and i was just like oh i didn't realize that and this there i guess there is a thread of her kind of being an alcoholic that i didn't fully grasp oh i i clocked that so fast i just again i said it before but i wish that nicole kidman just had a little bit more control over her dancing Um, yeah she did fine i was actually i applaud the fact that they got nicole to dance because (laughs) watch moulin rouge and she does not dance a moment in Rouge, like in comparison to this she does way more dancing and I was like yes yes to that but um since her character is all about Fosse and Chicago and this yeah it was a piss poor yeah, tribute to those it's that's I think where the spectacle of this that song really comes in and what ultimately becomes like a big part of the inspiration to get Emma to go back out there and to you know live her life um but when you have somebody who is fine it doesn't come off that same way uh and that's that's the choreography I'm talking about yeah yeah, this is a song that should have fully won me over. Everything about it on paper is a song that I would have liked. I didn't need it. I did not care for it. Yep, same. <laughs> and then we hit The Ladies Improving, which I think is a Meryl Streep It is song. a Meryl Streep song. It's a song that I had no memory of until I watched it again a couple of minutes ago <laughs> before we started because I realized that I had no frame of reference for what it was. And yeah, it was cool when she had all those backup dancers and she can hit notes that are very good. I forget why she even really sang it. Trying to get with the principal again, (laughs) he sort of like dumped her because he found out that they were kind of there as a big PR scheme and not totally there to just help Emma. So she was trying to win him back. This is a reference to Swallow the Moon, which is the musical that he fell in love with her with. And I just thought it was a waste of time and kind of gross. But <laughs> I like she did a good job. But. I liked her jacket. I liked her like yellow poncho jacket. Meryl looked good. She did a good job. I just was like, this is a level of like begging for a man that I cannot fucking deal with. <laughs> Let's do Alyssa Green. This is the first thing we see any side of Alyssa Green in. She does a good job. I think she- who's the actress that plays her? Ariana DeBose. She did great. She did a great job. She did the most convincing child acting of all of them. She's, I'm pretty sure, like 28, 29. I know. It was a boppy song, but it wasn't, I think it was like, the way that she portrayed it to me was a duality of existence. She is portraying something, even though she's feeling something else. And that's why the tone doesn't match the words, right? The minute that we see her, she kind of gets into like, there's a huge amount of baggage that I'm trying to work through. And I thought it was like, it wasn't a song that I would listen to again, but I thought it achieved what it meant to achieve. And it was one of the songs that did a better job of that. It's a song that I see so many high schoolers doing for auditions in the future. The minute they release the rights to this, I honestly don't. Again, a lot of this music was in when you're out the other. Yeah. I'm liking Ariana DeBose in this moment. I think it's interesting. You're hitting on something with this contrast. And I think it's there in that first Emma song that we were like, why is she smiling so much? Um, there's this interesting thing that I think the play or the movie attempts to do and doesn't always succeed, succeed. in it where 
these are closeted characters and they have to pretend and put on these things and or emma was a closeted character but is no longer a closeted character and i think there's a reality for some like queer people who had to spend time in the closet where you know we develop some skills figuring out how to like feel something on the inside and portray something else on the outside and i think these songs are trying sometimes to show that duality but it doesn't always it just doesn't land cleanly you know it makes me want to see that musical that is yeah yeah hitting it hard and like doing that duality really well and then we hit love thy neighbor which is Andrew Re- Reynolds. <laughs> Andrew Reynolds is his name. <laughs> this was the song that needed to come at this point in the show because it brought me back. It was losing me for a little bit. The nice little like energy jolt. Energy. Yeah. Yes. Again, it wasn't my cup of tea, and I love Andrew Reynolds. I think he's such a great performer, and I think in this song, you really see how he is like a powerhouse musical theater Broadway performer. Go like, oh, that's how a pro performs a song. Like, he was just feeling stuff, and it's small little things, but he was just fully feeling it, as opposed to like, you know, just acting it. Well, he was also one of the most physical like song givers i guess he was dancing but he was also just like using all of the the scenery like he was on the escalator like propped across it not like standing but like holding himself up like barring the way the way that he moved and manipulated his space as well as like using words was it was very impactful i think so again it wasn't one of those songs that i thought was like great but i was just like he did a good job with what he had yeah, the song is Love Thy Neighbor. It's like gets very much into the, you know, Bible aspect of why there are so many hypocritical things about people who are homophobic and use the Bible or Christianity yeah. to put down your people that it's like, well, you're picking and choosing and let's talk about that. And that's such a great argument. And that's totally fine. I, the whole thing just felt too easy it felt like if a whole school is going to lie to this girl about (laughs) it feels like it would take just a little bit more than one song in a mall to uh, get them on her on her side it did feel like in the writer's room the writers thought that this was like a huge flex yeah we showed the bigots we got them (laughs) like that's what it felt like yeah, it was fine. I, I I agree. The character, this wasn't enough to, like, change them from, like, mean bigots to, like, nice people. It, it Thoughts? It's the work, the real work it takes to combating uh, homophobia. Like, <laughs> that's, it just makes it a little too simple. And then we have, I think we, so it's after the ladies improving, we have a separate plot line with um, Meryl Streep and Keegan-Michael something. Keegan-Michael Key, the principal. Keegan-Michael Key. I was like, I have two of the words um, where he is convincing her to do something that is not to her benefit to be selfless. And we get a scene where she's like, listen, you're going to be on my ex-husband's late night show. We're going to get you the attention we, you need. We're going to get you like sponsorships. It's going to happen. And I was like, no, thanks. And first of all, she's wrong. Second of all, Meryl Streep's response is, well, then you owe me a house. <laughs> I love her reaction. She <laughs> screams at her and goes at her like she's going to kill her because she traded away her house to get Emma on this show. And I 
it's again Meryl Streep. She did so well, and I was just like, the amount of times she was like, I contributed a house to this. What else do I need to give my Black American Express? And everyone's like, yeah. And then we have Barry is going to prom. I feel bad because I know this was a really important song, and I can't remember a single thing about it. He stands up in a white limo. That's all I remember, but I don't know what he was saying or saying. Yeah, it didn't matter. It was it wasn't very good, and it wasn't notable in any way. Um, we're supposed to feel good for him. I think at this point we've also like kind of mentioned um, he's had like conversations with Emma's grandma about like him leaving the house and him like not giving his parents the chance to reject him yeah and um, i think meryl streep has tried to convince him to go talk to his parents so yeah, yeah. which Where? is just to go back to that scene it's a scene in a hotel room between yeah. barry and Dee Dee. and meryl streep has a really great moment in there when she's yeah. talking about her husband and yeah. she's lost like it's really good and then james corden also has not his worst moment like you said this is some of his um better acting you've seen him do Mm -hmm. Um, and i agree this is definitely the best thing he's done and yet it still (laughs) falls flat but that hotel scene they both have these tender moments yeah the little blueberry heart right (laughs) my little blueberry heart my favorite line in the whole thing like you squished my little blueberry heart um i think the other before we missed it but in the very beginning when they're checking into the hotel meryl streep goes in to get her hotel room and they're like we don't have suites and then she just pulls out i think it's supposed to be a tony and she just slams it down she rolls out two Tonys and she's like how about now and he's like we still don't have any sweets and then she pulls out another one and she goes how about now and then James Corden comes in and goes I'll take your room closest to the spa and he goes we don't have a spa and then he pulls out his award which is drama desk (laughs) drama desk award and I love that moment it's a fun joke the whole thing yeah and then we go to after Barry's going to prom on really hard which is the song that Emma puts out it, it is, like, weirdly a touching song, but I wasn't touched until anyone except for Emma was singing it. Yeah, it just wasn't the most interesting moment. Again, I wish there was more about, like, her as a songwriter. <laughs> that could yeah. Have, like, talk about how she created this song. They give her, like, an 80s dance music video where like, she's spinning on the bed, but she's actually just playing the guitar it's fine. It's important to see the amount of people that she touches with her music, which is, I think, notable. And the way that people who fall into a certain category who endure different amounts of suffering. Yeah, I mean, I think it's fine. Um, I think <laughs> uh, current musical writers are still working out how to include like social media in their shows without it feeling really weird and clunky. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's it's happening a lot right now on Broadway. Like, that's the new thing. We got, like, Mean Girls, which they've placed in, like, modern time. There's a lot of Snapchat, Twitter. There's that's It's the entire plot of Dear Evan Hansen. The musical Be More Chill. Oh, yeah. that The entire show is yeah, that. Yeah, like, technology. Um, and then it's time to dance. I, I like remember it. the song. You, like you do. <laughs> it's the entire <laughs> end. <laughs> I, I like this song. Me too. So much fun. And when again, when the Broadway musical was um, first opening and stuff, there was a lot of promotional moments using this song. So this is the song that sticks in my head the most. I heard, I've heard it the most. 
And I, I think it's, yeah, a fun number. It, you know, a lot of fun dancing again this time. Now everybody's dancing together. Um, it's the big finale where we're at the oh. inclusive prom that they've figured out, that they've set up. and we Where Emma's dressed in like a classic 86, like t- blue tuxedo that everyone's grandfather wore. I remember one of your texts was like, well, how do we feel about like short prom dresses? And like the reason why they're all wearing short yes. prom dresses is because they're dancing and they'll trip and die. Yeah, I, and if- I understand the, the, and there's like legwork in that you're going to miss. Uh, there are a lot of, again, uh, the Carrie Washington's character, the main bad guy of the whole thing. Uh, the head of the PTA, she has a flip at the end of yeah, this. Yeah, which... Show. Like, I feel like she was just, like, great. I get to wear my sparkly dress. Her dress was insane, I but they did her pause. dirty with her hair. I had to pause. And I, I, like, tweeted about it. I, like, paused it. I took a picture. I tweeted Ryan Murphy and was like, where can I purchase this? Henry <laughs> Washington, where can I have this? <laughs> Let me know. <laughs> They did not answer. It's another person where, or another instance in this movie where you just want, you needed a little bit more work before the main anti-gay person in the play is like, but I can figure it out and I'm here. Let's just all dance and sing together now. Yeah. I I think that for, it's, I agree mostly. I think I want more work for the kids because they truly have no reason to accept their once friend. Um, I think the lines that are notable and should have been like explored more, like you are my child and I just don't want life to be harder for you. And I think that that partially explores them being black and partially explores like the gay experience, especially in a conservative town and having those two things together are setting people up for a lot more bigotry, total bigotry. And I think that that switch is slightly more understandable to me. I do wish there had been more work, but I do think the justification that she gives of like, I've loved you since the moment I saw you, you know? I I agree. I think those are all like things that um, step her towards acceptance and are good things to have been said. Yeah. I just, uh, yeah. It was a little bit zero to 60. Yeah. Yeah. That's. I think that's it. Alana, any final thoughts? I enjoy the last number. Um, just, but as, as I've said before, it is easy for me to forgive a plot that doesn't make sense for the sake of the spectacle. This was a very good example of that for me. (laughs) The costuming throughout this was like enough of a spectacle to forgive a lot, but it wasn't quite enough to forgive James Gordon. (laughs) Yeah. My whole experience with this is that like... All of the things that we're saying are true and I understand, but when I watched it, I was like, had a great time. A good time. So I'm yeah. trying to reconcile. <laughs> I think those like two that. things are allowed to yeah. exist together. Because I still um, like I would watch the first half of this movie several times again. I would not watch the second half of this movie again. Does that make sense? I would skip to the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, My final thoughts, you know, as a queer person, I just felt taken out of a lot of it because of the casting of James Corden and his portrayal of the character. Yeah, he had a lot of very weird moments. Yeah, it felt hollow and flat. And I, I know there are a lot of queer people that feel the same way that I feel, but there are also, just to be fair, there are a lot of queer people who really liked his performance and didn't have a problem with it. So there are multiple 
people's um, ways to like see how this went. And there are, you know, people on all sides of this casting issue. But for me, it just kind of, it made the whole piece suffer because it's so thematically about celebrating queerness and living your truth and having the courage to step forward and to um, be honest about who you are in the face of adversity. And I just didn't get that journey from the James Corden character. It just felt hollow. It didn't fully feel flushed out. Yeah, I mean, we skipped over an entire part where, like, he has a subplot where he re- reconciles with his mother. Oh, yeah, didn't, it didn't. It doesn't even mother, register. His the, mother, Tracy Ullman, right? Yeah, the cute part about that moment is that they're both British actors playing Americans. <laughs> That's the cute part about to me. The other part about the James Corden casting that was just so troubling is that in this age, like, we have had many examples of straight people interpreting gay characters and gay people and gay storylines. And we've had that, we've seen it, we've seen it done successfully, successfully, we've seen it done not so successfully. Um, we didn't need another example of that. We, this is ultimately like a straight man's interpretation of a gay man. Um, and we, we've had that in spades. So I'm just kind of tired of it. And, since uh, we're living in a time where queer people are way more oppressed on average than straight people um, for that simple fact of them being gay or queer, uh, it, it makes it so that it just feels weird having this main character in this story played by this straight man um, as far as we know, I guess technically we don't know everything about James Corden's life, but he's married to a woman. He's, you know, like, I don't know what to tell you. He is very straight presenting. It just feels like we're ignoring our reality, you know, when that casting isn't done appropriately. And I just, it was a missed opportunity for a gay person to tell a gay story. Yeah, I agree. Well, thank you for joining us, Jamal. This is yeah. not the last time we're going to see you. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we found an expert theater friend and we refused to let him go. <laughs> yeah, also, he and Alana are allowed to gang up on me and it's it's a fun time. <laughs> so I think there were some fair times in this conversation where it was you and I that were ganging up a little bit. <laughs> slightly more on Alana. I love to tell Alana that I hate the things that she loves. It's my favorite conversation where I go like, I complete, I completely disagree with you in hey every man, way. Problematic fave. <laughs> <laughs> Jamal, where can we find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at localad33. Yeah, that's the best place. Find me there. Perfect. And we will drop links in the, in the description to Jamal's theater company so you can check out his work check out his photos <laughs> check him out <laughs> <laughs> all right well we've got an end card and here yes. it is <laughs> you're welcome for listening to it's broadway bitch if you like what we had to say then please like rate review and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform if you have thoughts feelings opinions or stories about theater or what we talked about you can email us at it's broadway bitch at gmail.com that it's broadway bitch with no i in bitch at gmail.com you can follow us on instagram and twitter at it's broadway bitch no i in bitch and you can follow me christina at chit and chat for pictures of my cats on instagram and you can follow me alana on instagram and twitter at alana fine woman like Feynman, but i'm a lady 
Special thanks to Katie Braverman for designing our cover art and Jack Larkin for making our theme music. You can follow them at katie.braverman and at jacksterlark on Instagram and check out the episode's description for links. I'm Alana. I'm the Broadway. I'm Christina. I'm the bitch. And we'll see you next time. It's